Morning, everyone. It's a woo-hoo kind of morning, isn't it? We like woo-hoo kind of mornings. It's great. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah, good. Some of you not sure. Some of you felt it was a spotlight moment you weren't prepared for. But uh, how amazing were those stories uh, that we've heard today? Uh, and I love them. I love them. Just I'm basically nosy anyway. So I like finding out what's what's occurring in people's lives. Uh, but then just to hear what's occurring with God in people's lives is just fantastic, isn't it? So um, really nice to see you this morning and to be here. And uh, whether you're watching in the room today or um, online, I hope and pray that this helps you as you journey through this crazy thing we call life. How many of your lives are a bit bonkers? Yeah? Just when we thought we'd got through Brexit, we've had a few other issues, haven't we? So, uh, but we've got to keep smiling and keep laughing because if we stop, then we'll start crying, won't we? So, um, some of you may be crying and laughing at the same time. Um, but I'm really excited to be here uh, with you today. I, I've been doing this for 33 years now. And uh, so if I'm rubbish, don't say, because I've got nothing else to offer the world, okay? But i tell you one thing, I never get bored of this. In fact, I'm more excited than ever and more convinced than ever of God's ability to change people's lives. And those stories this morning just add extra fuel to that as you see what's happening. So I came across... Um, I came across this, this little list, because I'm going to talk to you about some problems this morning. Is that all right? I mean, you might as well as say, yeah, because I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, but so I, I kind of, I like, to, I like to, um, to kind of bring a few like true life stories that bring a smile, some stuff from the Bible. So we're going to look at that, some thoughts from Greeny. Uh, you can decide whether they're good or not. Um, but as a, a bit of uh, research, I, I did what you do when you need to research. You Google, don't you? I'm sure the word Google is a verb now. It's got to be on it, to Google. Okay. And um, so I Googled problems and I came across this list of the top 30 British problems. Okay. And so what I thought we'd do is I've selected what are my top 10 out of those, because I didn't think we'd have enough time for the top 30. And I thought, what we'll do is, I'll, I relate to loads of these. So I thought, we'll go through them and, and just take a bit of a vote by means of raising the handage to see whether you, um, whether you get these, whether you've found these to be true. Uh, and don't worry if you're not British here today, you can, they might well translate to whatever culture you are. So let's have a little look. Okay, here we go. Um, not in any particular order, other than the order I've written them down in. Um, not, this is, let's see whether anybody finds this a problem. Not quite catching someone's name, meaning you can never speak to them again. Oh, look at that! That's a lot of hands going up for that one. And some worrying laughter at that one. It's like, it's a great in church because you can just resort to brother or sister, can't you? It's really good. Like, so, okay, all right then. Second, realizing you've entered the wrong shop and having to pretend to look around a bit. Who's done that one? Yeah, okay. <laughs> a 
Number three, being, I do this all the time, being incapable of placing your items on the counter in a shop without saying, just these, please. Yeah, I do it all the time. It doesn't matter about just that, please. Yeah, yeah, just this. <coughs> it's brilliant. Okay, um, I'll need to explain this one to those of you who've been Christians long, uh, for a long time. Going in a pub. So a pub. It's a little bit like Costa, but a bit more pungent, all right? So <laughs> going in a pub to use the loo and pretending to look for a friend all the way into the toilet. <laughs> yes, some, some guilty hands going up there. Some guilty but proud hands going up there. Oh, I, this is me as well. Worrying you'll be suspected a thief if exiting a shop without making a purchase. By the way, if you've exited a shop without making a purchase, but you've got a product, that is being a thief. Just in case you needed clarity. Oh, okay. Now, I don't know. I'm, this is a risky one. I think this, I might need my hands free. Can I just use that, that mic there just for two seconds? Is that all right? Because um, I, I need to just demo this a little bit. Saying, I think this is just women, but I am, I am prepared for it not to be. But don't think I'm being sexist when I say it, all right? Saying you're pleased with your haircut despite the deep inner sadness it's causing you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, it's like, okay. Madam? Yeah, 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 lovely. Yeah, 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 lovely. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Yeah, outside the shop. <coughs> Let's, let's Equalities Act and all that. Any blokes relate to that? None. No blokes relate to that. Okay. Deem <laughs> I love this one. Deeming it necessary to do a little jog over zebra crossings whilst throwing in an apologetic mini wave. Yeah? It, it's like this, isn't it? It's like this. It's like this. You know that one? Oh, my mate, he does this. No word of a lie. My mate, I've been with him. He does this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Honestly, the day he did that, I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know what to do with myself. The shock of tasting Earl Grey tea when you're expecting something else. Uh, yeah, I love it. Oh, yes. <laughs> that came from somewhere deep. Okay, attempt number nine, attempting to deal <laughs> with a cue jumper by staring fiercely at the back of their head. I've done that so many times. It's like this and it's like... Maybe not that, okay? Okay, and then finally... This is, this is a difficult one. Running out of ways to say thanks when a succession of doors are held open for you, having already deployed cheers, ta, and nice one. <laughs> Anybody with that one? Yes. Brilliant. Well, there seemed to be some resonance in the room that those were problems. And, but actually, don't you think that life is 
full of problems. Yeah, like some of those like motivational speakers say, they're not problems, they're opportunities. And I'm thinking, shut up, they're problems. <laughs> I don't want your motivational speak. And some of the problems are like, they are like little, but how many of you know that sometimes the little problems feel like big problems, don't they? And sometimes life is full of big problems, sometimes full of problems that you feel you can't kind of get over or get through sometimes problems that you feel you can, but life is full of problems. And I want to suggest to you today, there's, there's three problems that we just need to consider a little bit if we're going to navigate this thing called life. And they're maybe not problems that you might see as problems, but they are problems. And I want to just talk you through those today. So the first one is this, science can tell us how we got here, but it can't tell us what we do now we are here. I was born through no choice of my own. Don't know if you know that. I'm probably going to die through no choice of my own. And then I've got this thing between those things that I didn't choose that'll probably be around 80 years on average called life. And I've somehow got to navigate my way through that crazy thing called life through all my own choices and decisions. Don't you ever feel a bit dumped on? I've got to get through this crazy thing called life. I didn't choose to be here, and I'm probably not going to choose. Now, by the way, don't start worrying about me. I'm, you know, I'm not having an existential crisis in front of you. I'm ex extremely happy that I am here. I've read this great story about a preacher um, who made a statement in Hyde Park. And uh, this, this was it. He said, the Bible says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, there was a heckler. He was going on to, to quote the rest of it, this gentleman. It's actually a sentence from the Bible. And I'll explain more about that sentence in a few moments' time. But he was about to kind of quote the rest of this sentence from the Bible. And this heckler jumped in and said, That's a load of rubbish. Science has proved that the human heart is just a pump. The, the preacher turned and said, are you married? The man said, yes. The preacher said, then go home and tell your wife you love her with all your pump. Kind of misses something, doesn't it? Imagine that. I, I left Emma this morning to come out to preach. I'm, I'm going up to, to uh, Bradford to see my parents later on today. And then I'll come back later tonight and I'll open the door and go, darling... I just want to let you know, I love you with all my pump. Kind of don't carry it, does it really? But you know, the truth is, if there's no real reason for us being here, if nobody actually intended us to be here, if there is no real purpose to life, if life is just simply something that happens and you kind of break down the components of the human body, and all of those components are simply a bunch of things that work together to make the human body work, but there's no real purpose. Then actually, if you look at your heart, it is just a pump, isn't it? It is just something that pumps. Here endeth my medical knowledge. 
But it is, it's just something that moves blood around your body that enables you to, from the moment you were born, that you didn't ask to be born, but until you die, that's probably going to be nothing to do with you. You somehow just got to make it all work, and you've got this pump, pumping blood around your body to kind of make you work it all out. And that's it. <laughs> it's a bit rubbish, to be honest with you, isn't it? But is that, that is literally it. Unless there was some greater reason for us being here and science, and my purpose this morning is not in any way to, um, to, to rubbish or to minimize science or anything like that, because I, I personally think science is fantastic. I've got an iPad because of science. I love science. I absolutely love it. I'm intrigued. I'm fascinated. But science, you know, it might make an attempt to tell us how we got here, but it can't tell us what we do. Now we are here. See, only the Bible can tell us what we do. Now we are here. And that's because the Bible is written through people by God to instruct us from the God who originated our life and who brings purpose to our life. That means that our heart is more than just a pump. It means that it's something that God has intended to function in a certain way to enable you and I to live so that we can experience and connect with God and understand that God has an incredible plan and an incredible purpose for our life. That little sentence that that preacher was quoting that I mentioned just a few moments ago, the full sentence says, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And with all your might. Becoming a Jesus follower, what we call a Christian, is about saying, actually God, I don't want to live my life my way. I don't want to live my life without you. I want to live my life your way and with you. And becoming a Jesus follower, becoming a Christian, is about recognizing that actually you are here for a purpose. There is a reason for existence. And I know, let's face it, over the last few years, that's been challenged for lots of people. And when we go through challenges in life, it can challenge our understanding of why, what we're meant to do and why we're here. And that's why it's so fantastic to hear those stories this morning as a reminder from people from different walks of life with different experiences but the one thing that they've got in common, they've discovered that to give your life over to God and to say to God, I want to live life your way is the thing that brings ultimate purpose. You see, the problem is when we live life our way, we're disconnected from God. We choose our own way of doing things. The Bible's got an interesting word, which if you spend any amount of time in church, you'll hear this word. The word is sin. It simply means choosing to live life our way and not God's way. And actually becoming a Jesus follower is about saying to God, arriving at a moment in time where you say, I want to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength and with all my might. In other words, with everything that I've got and everything that I am. Now, do we do that all the time? No, we don't. But God sees the intention 
of our heart. And I'll give you a moment at the end of my talk to begin to explore that furthermore for yourself. So science can tell us how we got here, but it can't tell us what we do now we are here. Medicine can cure the physical, but it can't cure the spiritual. And again, let me just reiterate, my purpose here isn't to minimize or to rubbish medicine. I am so glad of medicine. I've got a few ailments. Anybody got some ailments here this morning? I won't give you my list of ailments, but I've got a few at the moment. I haven't got time to go through them all, not not and preach at the same time. But I've got a few ailments, and I came across these, um, what you might consider problems, um, These are sentences actually typed by medical secretaries in the NHS in Greater Glasgow about patients' medical problems. Okay, I'll just go through a few, but I love these. They proper make me smile. The patient has left her white blood cells at another hospital. Well, that's just careless, isn't it, that? Patient's medical history has been remarkably insignificant with only a 40-pound weight gain in the past three days. See, I would argue that's fairly significant, wouldn't you? Patient has chest pain if she lies on her left-hand side for over a year. That would give you chest pains, to be fair, wouldn't it? On the second day, the knee was better, and on the third day, it disappeared. There's some crucial words being left out of these, aren't there? The patient is tearful and crying constantly. She also appears to be depressed. (laughs) You don't say. She is numb from her toes down. Who knew? The patient has occasional, constant, infrequent headaches. Don't know you can have those. She stated that she had been constipated for most of her life until she got a divorce. Who knew that was how you got rid of constipation? (laughs) Parents of teenage kids are like this one. The patient has two teenage children, but no other abnormalities. (laughs) The patient was in his usual state of good health until his airplane ran out of fuel and crashed. Well, that's an interesting one. And then she slipped on the ice and apparently her legs went in separate directions in early December. (laughs) Anybody got any illnesses? We'll have a sharing moment at the end. I'm sure, and we we heard remarkably, didn't we, about um, a young child. I mean, what a story that was and how medicine just got at one point and like, we don't really know, but then over a, a long period of time and it's just wonderful, isn't it? To, to see how, you know, a, a young life has been changed and transformed and just to hear those fantastic things. Medicine's really good at curing the physical, but it can't do anything for the spiritual. Our dear friend shared his, talk, his story of just that kind of, the, the, inner, the inside, the inner him that, that couldn't be cured without Jesus. Yes, physical things can be sorted, but the inner can't be sorted 
without Jesus. And, you know, I, I am concerned about my physical things as I'm getting a little bit older and I'm feeling a few more pains and I'm not recovering from things. Something that I, I totally relate when people that I used to listen to who said, I, I feel like, you know, 21 in, in my mind still, but about 72 in my body. And I totally relate to that when, when things kick in. But we, we, can, we can often get cure for the physical, but not for the spiritual. But I'm more interested this morning in your spiritual. I am interested in your physical. And I want to make a declaration that the God I serve can cure and does cure the physical as well as the spiritual. But you know what? As I often used to hear when I first became a Jesus follower, first became a Christian, you can enter heaven with a, with a sick body, but you can't enter heaven with a sick soul. You see, there is something that has messed up all of our souls, that has ravaged it. And that's this thing that I mentioned where when we choose to live life without God, it does something to our soul. It creates a sickness to our soul. For those of you who are familiar, if you'd like to turn to this little chunk of sentences from the Bible, Luke chapter 5, verses 27 and 32. I mentioned, I'm going to mention a couple of um, bits from the Bible. This, this is quite a well-known story. Let me read it to you. It's, it's only a short one. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up left everything, that was a usual thing by the way, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who had belonged to their sect complained about his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They saw that as a real problem. Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but have called to come the sinners to repentance. The whole reason Jesus came down to planet earth, the Bible tells us, is to seek and to save those who are lost. By the way, that's all of us. That's every single one of us. And the great news is Jesus left Heaven came down to our planet and as he walked around on the face of the earth for approximately 33 years, he did some remarkable things in people's lives. He brought meaning, he brought purpose, he brought healing to the ones that had been rejected by society, he brought and accepted into his community. He honestly, when you look at the life of Jesus, and one of the things that upsets me a little bit is, when people say Jesus isn't for them, but they don't really know anything about him. It's like if you met me when I was born, and then you met me when I died, how could you make a judgment about what I was like as a person if you only met me when I was born and when I died? 
How could you, how could you get to know what my character was like? Whether you would want or not want to be a friend of mine, whether you would want to associate with me, whether you'd want to hang out with me, how would you know whether you were wanting me around in your life if you never met me? You couldn't, could you? It would be unfair for people to say, oh, tell us about Mark Greenwood. If they pulled you up at my future and my funeral and said, right, such and such a person is going to come and tell us what Mark was like in, your, in, in his life. And you got up me and you stood, I'm sorry, but I've never seen him. I didn't know anything about him. I mean, I met him when I born. I'm only here because this person knows him. I just came along. That would be grossly unfair, wouldn't it? And yet, actually, many people reject Jesus without even really knowing anything about him. So I want to encourage you, an alpha is actually a brilliant way to begin to find out about Jesus. Those stories that you've heard this morning are the beginnings of helping to introduce you to Jesus, to seeing what he does in the lives of those people who have said to you firsthand, this is what Jesus has done for me. It's a great opportunity to be able to investigate, to meet this Jesus who, what he did 2,000 years ago when he was physically on the earth, he does today. He is still changing people's lives. He's still radically changing people's lives, healing people, bringing purpose and meaning, making sense of this crazy thing called life which has just been dumped on every one of us. Jesus is still making sense. And how does he make sense? I said at about the age of 33, you know, after Jesus had been on the earth for about 33 years, the Bible tells us that he was taken and put on a cross. This was God's plan to take the punishment for the wrong of the whole world. Your wrong and my wrong. You say, well, I've not really ever done a great deal wrong. Neither have I. But the Bible says... Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Let's look no further. Every one of us, if we haven't loved God with all of our heart, needs Jesus' forgiveness. Every one of us. Every single person. However brilliant you are. However kind you are. However devoted you are to other people, to helping people. However pure you are. But there's the wonderful thing. Not only did Jesus die so you could be forgiven. He died so you could transition from a life without real purpose to a life with real purpose. I meet so many people who quite late on in life say to me, Oh, if I'd have known it was like this, I'd have done it sooner. It's one of the biggest sadnesses of my life when people come to Christ. Late on in life, oh man, if I'd have known, I'd have done it sooner. Today's a great opportunity for you to discover for yourself. You see, Jesus died and took the punishment for the wrong of the whole world, for your wrong or my wrong. But here's the great thing, and we're going to be celebrating this. Dan mentioned, going to celebrate this in a few weekends' time. Not only did Jesus die, but he came back alive. He died so you could be forgiven. But he rose again so you could truly live. Living life the Jesus way is the way to live life. And nothing medically can give you that. Because it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. 
Why not today? Start today and receive brand spanking new life. What an amazing way to change your day. Science can tell us how we got here, but it can't tell us what we do. Now we are here. Medicine can cure the physical, but it can't cure the spiritual. Religion can tell you what to do, but it can't help you do it. Now, I'm not trying to not religion here. I, you know, I'm what many people would, would see as somebody that's religious. I don't see myself as religious. For me, my faith isn't a religious thing. It's a relationship thing. You speak to any Christian and they'll tell you that. But I, re- I, I get that from, from the perspective of people that don't know. They, they see me as religious. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, kind of give religion, religion bad press. What, what I'm trying to say, as I've done with science and medicine, I'm doing it with religion to show that they're, they're great for certain things, but they fall short on so many things. I read this great story. I've, I've got to tell you this story. A couple had two little boys aged eight and ten who were excessively mischievous. The two were always getting into trouble and their parents could be assured that if any mischief occurred in their town, their two young sons were probably involved in some way. The parents were at their wits end as to what to do about their son's behaviour. The mother had heard that there was a new clergyman in town who had a successful um, um, was very successful at helping and, and bringing discipline to, to children who were just a little bit kind of you know, doing their own thing. So she asked her husband if, if he thought they should send the boys to speak to the clergyman. The husband said, well, we, we might as well. We need to do something before I really lose my temper. The clergyman agreed to speak to the boys, but asked to see them individually. Excuse me, the eight-year-old boy went to meet with him first, and the clergyman sat the boy down and asked him sternly, where is God? The boy made no response, so the clergyman repeated the question in an even sterner tone. Where is God? Again, the boy made no attempt to answer, so the clergyman raised his voice even more and shook his finger in the boy's face. Where is God? At that, the boy bolted from the room and ran directly home, slamming himself into a closet. The older brother followed him into the closet and asked what had happened. The younger brother replied, we are in big trouble this time. God is missing and they think we did it. I mean, (laughs) sure you don't mind allowing me that moment to share that story with you. I don't know whether it's true or not, but something within me really wants it to be true. Do you know what I mean? But I want to pose that, that question actually to you this morning. Where is God? You see, the truth is, if God is missing in your life, it is your fault. It is your fault. Because God wants to be in your life. It's not that he don't want to be. He, he wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be in there in first place. But we often don't want him to be in there And Christianity isn't going to get God in there 
Christianity without, without Jesus, which sounds like a really weird thing to say, but Christianity without embracing God's forgiveness and God being in the middle of your life, it's just a, it's just a code. It's just a religion telling you what to do, but giving you no power to do it. And people often look at religion and think that it is just a set of rules and regulations because they don't see that actually there's a person behind these things. When Before I became a Christian, I became a Christian at a, a youngest age. None of my family were from a Christian background. We, we, we weren't brought up in a Christian family at all. Um, in fact, if it wasn't for a gentleman in this room called Godfrey Fern bringing another gentleman called Brian Hardacre, not in this room, uh, but um, if it weren't for them coming on the, knocking on the door of my home, we, we would have been totally oblivious. We would have been one of those people that saw religion just as a set of do's and don'ts, but thankfully we were introduced to the real God and real Christianity, and we realised that Christianity wasn't a set of do's and don'ts, but it was a set of wills and won'ts. And that means that when you put God in first place, well, you won't want to do that and you will want to do that. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't mess up. You need to understand something. I'm not perfect. I mean, I tell my wife and children I am, but they don't get it, to be honest with you. But we're not perfect. It doesn't mean that suddenly we become this perfect person because we're living in a flawed world. We still have problems and we still have things that that trip us up and we still make wrong decisions. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is there was a point in my life where I said to God, with all my heart, soul, strength and mind, I want to put you in first place. I want to love you with everything that I've got. I want to turn away from life without you and start living life with you. Summed up in a lovely little sentence that says, if anyone is in Christ, that means if anyone gives their life to Jesus, they're a brand spanking new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Without Jesus, Christianity is just a religion that will tell you what to do, but there's no power to do it. I'm at the end of my talk, but I'm just going to give you an opportunity now as the worship band are going to come along and just play some uh, music in the background, just, just to help us to reflect. I find in these moments it's quite useful just to, to pause and reflect. So I'd love to encourage you to do that. We don't often uh, do that a great deal, though actually in the past couple of years I think we, we have caused ourselves to reflect a lot more. But I'd like to invite you this morning to make uh, a response. And so I wonder whether you might just for a few moments close your eyes and I'd like to just talk you through that response. God is calling you today to put your life in his hands. He's saying to you, put your life in my hands so you can discover real purpose. Put your life in my hands so you can receive forgiveness for the things that you have done that are wrong. Put your life in my hands so you can receive new life in the spiritual Put your life in my hands so you can be empowered to do the things I'm calling you to do. And whether you're watching online today or in the room, I'd like to invite you to respond. And there's three, three ways that you can respond. The first is to say what I call a big yes to God. A big saying a big yes to God is about giving your life over to God. 
And all that stuff that I mentioned about asking his forgiveness, receiving his new life, entering into purpose with God. That's what it means to say a big yes. You might not understand absolutely everything. I certainly didn't the day I said yes to God. But the longer I've been with God, the more I've understood about it. But I did know that I needed to say a big yes to start that journey, to make my intention clear. Today, God, I'm intentionally starting that journey with you. So I'm saying yes to you. So in a few moments, I'm going to invite you in the stillness and quietness of your own heart just to simply say a big yes to God. And just to remind you, so that you understand in your head what you're saying in your heart. Saying yes to God is simply saying, I'm turning away from life without you. And now I'm turning to life with you. Receive your forgiveness and new life. And today I make a decision to live life your way. If that's you, why don't you, just in your heart, whether you're in the room or watching online, why don't you just say, God, I'm saying a big yes to you today. It doesn't mean need some convoluted or verbose prayer. If you mean that in your heart, just say those words just in the stillness and quietness of your own heart. And I make this promise to you that God will hear and will answer. So just now where you are, you've never said yes to God. Never given your life over to him. Dear God, I'm saying a big yes to you today. It might be that you're here today and you're saying to me, Mark, I'm not really in that place. You're watching online, you may be saying, yeah, I'm, I'm not in that place where I can fully commit right now. That, that's fine. You're among many, many people that have been in that place. It's what I call a little yes. A little yes is about making an intentional decision to investigate, to find out more. And that's worthy. And so if that's you, you're here today in the building or watching online and you're saying, I'm not really ready to say a big yes, may I just gently challenge you to make that little yes, intentional decision today to find out more. You might not feel that you can even say it to God, but you might be able to say it to yourself. So why don't you just, in the stillness and quietness of your own heart, say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to become one of those little yes people that Mark talked about. I'm going to make an intentional decision to find out more. It might be that you're here today and you're saying, not really ready to, to make a commitment to fully investigate, Mark, if I'm honest. But I wonder whether I might be able to lay a very gentle challenge at your feet today. And that is to become what I call a, a healthy maybe. Somebody who's making a decision to become or to remain open-minded. Why healthy maybe? To take your maybe there's something in this and just make a commitment today to keep it on the agenda. So they don't just dissipate. Because if there's any smidgen of truth in what I've spoken about, 
what we've sung about and what the three people have shared about, if there's any smidgen of possibility that that's all true. And when you consider there's 2.2 billion people across the globe, the latest statistics, that in some way ascribe to being a Christian. It's got to be something it hadn't there. 2,000 years after it was birthed, it's still making an impact and growing. It's got to be something. So I wonder whether you might say, I hear you, Mark. Fair point. I'm going to, be a commi- I'm going to make a commitment to, to be a healthy maybe. Say maybe there's something in this and keep it healthy by keeping it on your agenda. And Father, I pray for anybody in this room that finds themselves either as a big yes or a little yes or a healthy maybe today that you'll help them to journey, Lord. Help them to journey to discovery. And I pray that you would interact with their life and impact them in the same way that you have done with many, many people who are already uh, believers here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just before I hand back and we sing our final song this morning, thank you for allowing me to uh, speak to you this morning. I never take it for granted. Um, on the, already mentioned about Alpha. If you're a big yes, a little yes, or a healthy maybe, I would encourage you to sign up for Alpha. It's a brilliant way to explore faith. And uh, for those of you in the room this morning who said a big yes to God, or actually even a little yes or a healthy maybe, if you want one of these lovely little packs, very nice. Uh, It's got a whole bunch of stuff in there that can help you journey and process. And I know um, that the folks here at Derby City Church would love to help you do that. So before you leave this morning, uh, to my right, there's a really nice little connection point. We'd love to uh, get that stuff to you. So just as you're sort of mingling and starting to leave... Why don't you just nip down here and ask for one of these bags? And if you wanted, you could say whether you're a big yes, a little yes, or a healthy maybe. That might help them just to know they can help you some more. God bless. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much for listening.